Amen. I want to welcome all of you tonight. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you. Thank you for being here. If you're joining us online tonight, we welcome you wherever you are tonight. Pray that this service is a blessing to you as well. They're going to sing. We're going to sing again. And uh, we're going to sing a song we've already sung tonight. We're going to sing it again. And really, I feel like it ties in well with my message. And so I, I, want, us to, I want us to worship a little bit more. Actually, I said it Thursday night, and I, I really, I've kind of got my wish tonight. I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching. But I'm not interested in just preaching to preach. Oh, I'm interested in God moving and God working. And so I, I want us to sing Our God again. I, I don't want us just to sing it as a song. But as we're singing it and praising and worshiping, I want it to be our declaration. I want you, I want it to be your confession. The scripture says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. So I, I, I want us to, I want us to, and I know we've already sung it, but I want us to sing it again and I want us to declare it. And, and we're going to sing and worship for a few moments, so. 10, 15, 20 feet maybe to get yourself down to this altar. It's not too far to, to walk for a few moments of a little bit more worship here. But I, I, I want us to, I want us just to, if bottom line is if you decide and the Lord decides to just take it away, I, I'm, that's fine. I do feel like I have a word from God for tonight. But I just, I feel like we need to sing this again. I feel like we need to make it our declaration again tonight. No one like you, Lord. None like you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes. Out of the ashes we oh, rise. Yes, Lord. There's no one like There's you. There's no one like you, Jesus. None like hallelujah, you. hallelujah. Oh, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, oh, our God, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any
chapter 14 verse number 24 Isaiah 14 and verse number 24 I wonder if I get about 15 people that'll you'll help me preach tonight I don't we may even need a little organ here before we get done tonight I don't know hallelujah Isaiah 14 and 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. Just as I, now there's more to that word there than thought, but as I've read this verse and studied preparing for tonight, it There's more to it if you get into the Hebrew, but also at the same time, God just, all God has to do is think. There's a lot of stuff you and I think that nothing ever comes of it. Some things we think that would be awesome and wonderful, but we just don't have the resources. We just don't have the ability. But but God says, "As, as surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them and his burden depart from off the shoulders. And I just read that verse because it's there and it's a part of this, but really it's 24 and then the next two verses that really what I what I want to focus on here tonight rather than necessarily 25 verse 26 this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth that that from from my looking at the the Hebrew words there basically what that's saying is this is the plan that is set This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts 
hath purposed it. And who shall disannul it? And if our God is for us, who can stand against us? If our God is with us, what can stand against us? Who shall disannul it? And his outstretched hand, or and his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? This is the purpose that is purposed. This is the hand that is stretched upon all nations. And who's going to disannul the purpose? And who's going to turn back God's outstretched hand? Message Bible says it this way, exactly as I plan, it will happen. Exactly as I plan, it will happen. Following my blueprints, it will take shape. Oh God, let there be some faith released in this sanctuary tonight. I will shatter the Assyrian who trespassed my land and stomp him into the dirt on my mountains. I will ban his taking and making of slaves and lift the weight of oppression from off, from all shoulders. This is the plan, plan for the whole earth. And this is the hand that will do it, reaching into every nation. God of the angel armies has planned it. Who could ever cancel such plans? Who could ever cancel such plans? Do I need to answer the question? Who could ever cancel such plans? His is the hand that's reached out. And who can brush it aside? The Good News Translation says, verse 24, The Lord Almighty hath sworn an oath. What I have planned will happen. What I have determined to do will be done. What I have planned will happen. What I have determined to do will be done. I want to take my title tonight simply from verse 26, the purpose that is purposed. The purpose that is purposed. The plan that is set. Not my plan. Not your plan. Not our plan. But His plan. Father, thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have had to worship and lift up and exalt the name that is above every name. God, I pray now again tonight that through your word, your spirit would minister in this sanctuary tonight. God, I pray again tonight. I do not desire to just preach a sermon, take up time in this service because that's what's expected. But I want to be a messenger 
I want to be a mouthpiece, God, that your spirit, your word can speak through, that rhema can flow through, God. A fresh utterance, a living word in this sanctuary tonight. God, your word says that it did not profit some because it was not mixed with faith. And so, no matter how timely, no matter how right the word is, if we don't mix it with our faith, it doesn't profit. And so, Father, I pray right now that in this sanctuary, faith would be released. I pray, God, there would be a spirit of faith that would move in here tonight to receive your word, to accept, to believe, to latch on, to hold to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Exactly as I plan, it will happen. I'm preaching to some people tonight, you've lost some degree of your certainty. But I've come to declare to you tonight in the Holy Ghost with the word of the Lord, exactly as He's planned. It will happen. Not as you've planned, not as I've planned, not as I have thought, not as I have imagined it to be, but as He has planned, it will happen. What I have planned will happen. What I have determined to do will be done. I believe I'm preaching to some folks tonight and in all honesty and transparency, I preach to myself tonight that have allowed circumstances and situations to cause me to doubt the certainty of God's plan. That have caused me at times to question the certainty of God's promises and the certainty of God's purpose. And so I've come tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost to challenge this group of people in this sanctuary tonight that God's planning is not like your planning and my planning. God's promises are not like your promises and my promises. But the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah and the verses we have read tonight clearly declares what I plan to do, I will do. What I purpose to do, I will do. I know the problem is, and I'm going to preach about it here in a little bit, the problem is there are circumstances and situations that you and I don't foresee. Sometimes it's a devil that's fighting us. Sometimes it's human decisions and human, human in, involvement that interrupts things and, and sometimes it's resources and, and various things that seem to interrupt God's plan and cause us to question the certainty of it. But he said, what I plan to do, I know, I was about three of you, fifteen of you said you'd help me and that was only three. What I plan to do, I, I know our problem is we're human beings and there's most of what we plan never goes the way it was planned. 
Most of us got plans for this week. We sat down at the table this afternoon as we were eating lunch and we went over our week talking about very things. It's a, one of those crazy weeks. Everybody's going in all kinds of different directions and, and we got district board meetings here this week and other stuff's going on. And, and, and as of this afternoon, we have a plan. But I can guarantee you something somewhere in that is not going to go as planned. Because there are unknown variables that I am completely unaware of. But does anybody believe tonight that when God says, I plan to do something, there are no unknown variables. There are no situations and circumstances that he doesn't know that are going to happen. But from the very moment he says, this is what I'm going to do, he knows everything that's going to take place from that moment until he does what he said he would do. You just sit there and stare at me tonight if you want to. I'll just preach to myself. That's all. What I plan to do, I will do. But you know what this is? And I, I say it, it's a, it's a part. I don't intend it to be vain repetition, but it's, you know, we each kind of have sort of our own whatever's is as preachers, and then when you get into doing weddings, and, and one of my things I always say, and, and, and that's quoting the whole thing that promises are made to be broken. And I wonder sometimes if we take our natural experiences and put them on God. I know there's a couple of variables. Sometimes I'm not so sure we didn't make up the promise. And so when God doesn't do what we thought He promised, we need to really make sure it was God and not just us. But you know what? We've got some things as a body, and, and I know some of you got some things that there has been multiple confirmations that you're well aware. It's not just your own ideas, and it wasn't just your own thought, but God spoke to you, and then God comes along with somebody else that has no idea, and they confirm it, and then somebody else comes along, doesn't know what God told you or them, and says the same thing. 45 years we've had men and women stand in the pulpit of Antioch and say things that other men and women have said with no idea. So it's not just those things we may have come up with on our own that we believe God has promised us. It's things that God has confirmed by the mouth of two and three and four and five witnesses. And he says, I have sworn don't, we don't, you know, swearing to us is a whole different thing now. First of all, most of the time swearing, we, we relate that to profanity. But uh, the most serious thing, I guess, we really know about swearing is when you stand there in the court and you, you, you swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God. And we know people have done that and then sat on a stand and told a flat out lie. But you've got to understand, and I'm getting ready to read to you a bunch of verses that, that, that give examples of it. And then Hebrews, very familiar passage to many of us. We've heard Bishop preach it through the years, and many of you know it. But, but one that really sums it up, the significance of when God swears. He says, I have sworn, saying, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and 
As I have purposed, so shall it stand. As I have sworn. Again, that, that, that promise. Esther's, Esther's little red Hondas needed an oil change. And last weekend I promised her I was going to do it. Saturday. And then that didn't work. And I promised I was going to do it Sunday afternoon. I did it yesterday. Guess what? I'm still her dad. I failed. I made a promise. I messed. I, me- I meant to keep it, but that I'm no. I'm. I do not cease to be her dad. Jump into my to the verses I'm referring to, but where we're going to is God's not like you and I. I might break a promise as a parent in, unintentionally, but I might break a promise as a parent, and I don't cease to be a parent. But God says, if I break my word and what I have sworn to you, it's not just a broken promise, but I no longer exist to be God. Barnes note says this with regards to the words he had sworn. Yahweh is often represented as making use of an oath to denote the strong confirmation, the absolute certainty of what he utters. The oath here was designed to to comfort the Jews when they should be in Babylon with the assurance, with the assurance that what he had thus solemnly promised would assuredly come to pass. It was so that no matter what was going on and no matter how impossible deliverance looked and no matter how impossible victory looked, they had a sworn promise from God. Genesis 24 and 7, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me that swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Exodus 13 and 5, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring to, shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey that thou shalt keep this service. In this month, verse 11, and it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers and shall give it thee. Exodus 33 and 1, and the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob saying unto thy seed will I give it. Numbers 32 and 10, and the Lord's anger was kindled against the same, was kindled the same time, and he sware, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly Follow the Lord. He didn't just throw out a random threat and say, these aren't going to go. He said, I swear. And so what he was saying was, if this doesn't happen, I'm not God. Hebrews 6, and this is the summary and the significance of what when God swears. Verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater... 
He swear by himself. You and I put a hand on a Bible because that's greater than I am. I need something greater. I need something bigger. But how do you get any bigger? How do you get any greater than God? So the only thing God can swear by is himself. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had, plen- after he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured, 99.9% of the time, our problem with God's promises is not faith. We very rarely have a need for more faith. When Jesus said, if you got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. It's not faith that's the problem. Your faith does not have to be proportionate to the problem. Your faith does not have to be proportionate to the promise. Our problem is patience that says, I know what you promised. I know that you can do what you said you would do. I know that you will do what you said you would do. And so patience says, I'm going to endure whatever happens between now and then. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. But I will endure until you do what you said you would do. Faith says, I know what he can do. Patience says, I'm going to be around until he does it. It's not a need for more faith that keeps us from getting disillusioned. It's a lack of faith, a lack of patience that causes us to get, I'm, I'm preaching to some disillusioned folks tonight. No, not visitors and guests. I'm preaching to some people that sit on these seats service after service, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, and you're now questioning the certainty. I've come to tell you tonight, if he doesn't do what he said he was going to do, then he's not God. Well, it hadn't happened and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Why do you think he told you what he was going to do? You've heard I preach it, I've taught it many times, many places. We get a word from God, a promise from God, and we get all excited about it, but we miss the point. The reason he's telling you what he's going to do is because he's not about to do it. Why tell you what he's about to do if he's about to do it? Just do it. The reason he's telling you what he's going to do is because from the moment he tells you what he's going to do until the moment it is fully fulfilled, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of hills and valleys and there's going to be a lot of defeats actually between those two places. And so he tells you what he's going to do so you've got something to hang on to that no matter what's going on right now, I have a promise that this is not the way it's going to end. (laughs) 
after he had patiently endured again, again, again. I remind you that word patience is not like you sitting in the doctor's office 45 minutes after it's time for your appointment and you're still got a smile on your face. That's not. This word patience is endurance. It means there's pressure. There's weights. Stuff that's pushing down, but I've made up my mind I'm going to stay under. We spend a lot of time trying to get out from under. Don't get mad at me tonight. I'm not just preaching to you. God, get me out from under. But I need patience that says I'm going to stay under. Because if I can believe, and if I can stay under, I will obtain the promise. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. How many of us believe tonight it's impossible for God to lie? Well, he said he was going to do this and it hasn't happened yet. Then maybe it's just not time yet. And I've said it already and I'm not trying to cause doubt and unbelief in the midst of preaching faith. But there's some times we add our twist to what God says. We interpret what it means. And I think our biggest failure is we determine the time frame. Confirmed it by an oath that by two mutable things it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope? Which hope? What we've just said, what I, what, what the scripture just said, this hope is an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. What the anchor does is when you get the anchor set, it doesn't matter which way the current is flowing. You may be in an adverse current, but when you get that anchor set, it's going to maintain your position. I've got an anchor. That anchor is God can't lie. I've got an anchor. And the anchor is God is going to do what God said He would do. And so no matter the storms and the winds and the waves and the rain around me, I've got an anchor that is supposed to keep me grounded, steadfast, unmovable. The Message Bible says, verse 19, like this. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Listen, listen, or look at, and listen to that next phrase. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. I 
How many of you got some appearances right now? How many of you are looking around at some things that appear to be such and such, this and that? The anchor reaches past. I lost 14 of you. I'm only, I got one left. The anchor reaches past appearances and connects with the promise that is my hope. The anchor is what determines that I can't just say, forget it. I'm done. I quit. I can't do that because I'm reaching past appearances and I've got a hold of a promise and not just a promise from anybody, but a promise from somebody that if he doesn't do what he said, he's no longer who he's supposed to be. God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs the promise, the immutability, the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. The Lord of hosts, hosts hath sworn, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. Barnes says with regards to the phrase, as I have thought, as I have designed or intended, God's promises never fail. Maybe I just need to repeat that for the next 20 minutes and call it a message. Call it a night. God's promises never fail. 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 I declare to the enemy tonight, God's promises never fail. I want hell to hear me tonight. And why don't you let hell hear you? God's promises never fail. Sorry. One more time. God's promises never fail. His purposes shall all, somebody say all, touch your neighbor, say all.
some, not some, but all God's purposes shall be accomplished. This passage is foolproof that God does not change. That whatever his purposes are, they are inflexible. Change supposes imperfection and it is often affirmed that God is immutable. You and I change. People change. Politics change. America changes. Things change. But God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 46 and verse 10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I also will do it. So, so here's, here's part of our challenge and our struggle. The things that seem to interrupt or oppose God's promises. Let's say it again. I, 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 and you, there, there are, and I'm not trying, please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say with regards to some of you that have things that you believe God has promised you personally. He's spoken to you. I'm, my point tonight is not to get you to question and doubt that. My point is, if it doesn't go exactly the way it, you thought it was going to go, I'll give you an example. I don't know how many of you remember the service at the high school. I, I guess, I don't ever, I usually don't consider myself doing this prophesying, but I prophesied to Stu and Holly about child, and then brother and sister Shelton were in that service. I don't know what you thought if you were there, if you remember that. I know what I thought. I know what I expected. My interpretation of the promise didn't have anything to do with adoption. That's oftentimes our struggle. God says what, and we assume how. That, that's all I'm trying to say with regards to stuff that you got with you and Jesus by yourself. I'm not, I'm not trying to cause you to question it or doubt it. I'm just challenging you to be careful. But then some of you got some personal promises from God that... Again, He may have given it to you at some point by yourself, but you've had confirmations of it. And also, as I've said, we as a church have things. And I don't, I don't know that God ever, I don't know that I, I, God has 
that the word swore was used at the risk of being too presumptuous, in my opinion, those multiple words and confirmations, I put that in the category of God swearing. I'm assuming maybe some of your lack of wanting to agree with me or join with me on that is we don't want to risk it all. Let's leave it as a promise that can be broken. We don't want to step out and say, it's got to happen or he's not God. The challenge we have. We don't know all of the obstacles. And, and it's one thing when it's the devil, Brother Schoenthal. We know how to fight the devil. Well, we know how to do spiritual warfare. We know how to bind and loosen. I mean, we're ready to take on any devil. Bring it on. You're going to get in the way of my promise. You're going to get in the way of what God has for me. I know how to deal with you, and we do. No weapon formed against me will prosper. We do all right when that's spiritual. Our struggle is when there's a human element. Our struggle is when there are, there are people that get involved and may be the hindrance to the fulfillment of the promise. Again, sometimes it's resources. But the thing is, and I'm about to read some commentary that address it, but the thing about God is when He makes the promise, Wrapped up in that promise. He knows exactly what any obstacle or issue will be in advance. Whether it's spiritual or human. He already knows. And so when He says, what I think I'm going to do. What I purpose I will do. Unlike you and I, He knows every single possible issue. And so in God's promise is the guarantee. There's nothing that's going to take him by surprise. There's nothing that's going to catch him off guard. The, uh, the pulpit commentary says this, the security of the divine word. Shane translates Sworn has Jehovah Sabbat saying, Surely, according as I have planned, so shall it be. And according as I have purposed, that shall stand. God here declares that it is His fixed and unalterable purpose to destroy Assyria and who can stop the fulfillment of the divine word. In answer to this question, we say, can natural forces? No, for that was settled when the Red Sea parted asunder and made a highway for God's people. Can natural events? No, for that was settled in the wilderness. Such commonplace things as murmurings and rebellions could destroy a particular generation, but could not keep Israel out of Canaan. Now, you, you got to hear that one again. 
Because some of us get so spiritual and start looking around at all of those that are hindering us and the reason why we can't get to where God said. You just hang on to the promise. Leave that up to God. He knows who the issue is and knows how to move them out of the way. Can individual men? No, for that was settled in Nebuchadnezzar who had to learn by humiliation that God's will would have to be done. Listen to Daniel 4.29 gives the gives the story of what's being referred to here. At the end of 12 months, he walked, Nebuchadnezzar walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grasses, oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour, while he is yet spouting off about what he has done and accomplished, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding return unto me. And I, the same one that was bragging about what all I had done, I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand, or say unto Him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. An excellent majesty was added unto me. And again, in verse 29, 30, he's bragging about what he's done. But listen to what he says in 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. All whose works are truth and His ways judgment and those that walk in pride He is able to abase. Lastly, can combined man stop? No, 
For that was settled when the kings of Canaan joined to oppose God's advancing hosts and were swept away before them like a summer cloud before the sun. Nobody and nothing can stop the fulfillment of God's work. I'm going to get stuck again. Nobody and nothing can stop the fulfillment of God's Word. I might just have to repeat it until I believe you really believe it. Nobody and no thing can stop the fulfillment of God's Word. Nobody and no thing can stop the fulfillment of God's Word. i got to say it one more time. Nobody and no thing can stop the fulfillment of God's Word. We may go with it. The flood will carry us with it like helpless logs if we struggle to oppose. But the Word and will of God are always righteous, beneficent, and good. So it is well that they should abide. Nobody and no thing can stop the fulfillment of God's Word. Whatever the adversity is, whatever the opposition may be, God's got it covered. Whatever the need is, God's got it figured out. He calls those things that are not as though they already were. With regards to the question, who shall disannul it? Barnes note says this, who has the power to defeat his purposes? Difficult as they may be in, in appearance and incredible as their fulfillment may seem, yet his purposes are formed in full view of all the circumstances. I think that got about right there. Difficult as they may be in appearance and incredible as their fulfillment may seem, His purposes are formed, created in full view of all the circumstances. And there is no power to resist his arm or to turn him aside from the execution of his designs. By this assurance, God designed to comfort his people when they should be in Babylon in a long and dreary captivity. Anybody been in some long and dreary captivity? Anybody feel like you've been in some long and dreary captivity? 
I bet most of you that have felt that way, if you'll just pause long enough, you've got a promise to go back to. You got God, you got something God gave you before you ever got in it that was supposed to be what you held on to get through it. And by the same consideration, his people may be comforted at all times. His plans shall stand. None, no thing, no one, spiritual or human, can disannul them. No arm has power to resist him. None of the schemes formed against him shall ever prosper. Whatever ills, therefore, may befall his people, however thick and gloomy and sad their calamities may be, and however dark his dispensations may appear, yet they may bear the assurance that all his plans are wise and that they all shall stand. No matter how many or how mighty may be the foes of the church. No matter how strong their cities or their ramparts. No matter how numerous their armies or how self-confident may be their leaders. They have no power. They have no power to resist God. If their plans are in His way, they will be thrown down. If revolutions are necessary among human beings to accomplish His purposes, they will be brought about. If cities and armies need to be destroyed in order that His plans may succeed and His church be safe, they will be demolished. Just as the army of Sennacherib was laid pale in death and as Babylon, the haughtiest of cities, was overthrown, who can stand against God? And who can resist the execution of His will? I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm not in this just for today. I'm not here just because of today. I'm here because I've seen some things. Far off. I got a glimpse of some things afar off. What I'm, what I, what the, the appearances, the appearances of some things right now. This isn't my destination. This isn't the final destination. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about this life. This isn't the final destination. Like those in Hebrews chapter 11. I've seen some things afar off. And by the grace of God, I am trying to embrace them. And I'm trying to hang on to them. And I am trying to be fully persuaded that it doesn't matter what's here and now. I've got a glimpse of something else. Next chapter, verse chapter 12, I think it's verse 2. Who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, 
You are not going to endure the circumstances of the present if you don't have some joy set before you. You're not going to make it through some of the battles you're in if you don't have something out there that you've made up your mind. I will not give up. I will not quit. I will not, I will not question and doubt God's faithfulness, but I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep fighting because I've seen it. It might be a far off, but I've seen it. All you're doing is living for today. I'm telling you, at some point you're going to give up. If all you're doing is living for this week, at some point you're going to quit. That's why there's so much of Christianity that's in a mess. Because it's just trying to appeal to today and right now and here and what's going on. But that's not what we're about. That's not what we're all about. I'm about some things that God has thought and purposed, and planned. And if God has thought it, and God has planned it, and God has purposed it, it's, it's a sure thing. Oh God, help us, help us, help us to believe it. Verse 26, with regards to verse 26, Calvin's commentary says this. He declares first, the will and purpose of God, and secondly, His power. How comes it that we have any doubts about the Word, but because we do not ascribe to God, we do not ascribe to God that power which belongs to Him, or because we are not convinced of His power? Our struggle, our question, our doubts come in because... We're not fully convinced he's got the power and the ability to do it. These are the only two causes of our unbelief with which, on the other hand, we ought to contrast the two things which Isaiah recommends to our notice, namely the purpose and the power of God. We ought to believe first that God is true. For if he declares nothing that is not fixed and unchangeable, for, for he declares nothing that is not fixed and unchangeable. Secondly, that he is powerful and that nothing can withstand his arm. Again, we must not inquire about the secret purpose of God. For the prophet here enjoins us to rest satisfied with the decree which has been manifested in the Word of God. We must not rise any higher, therefore, so as to penetrate into the secrets of God. But we ought to be satisfied with undoubted proofs which he declares by the mouth of the prophets. Let us, therefore, embrace all the promises of God with our whole heart. Let us therefore embrace all the promises of God with our whole heart. And let us also add to them His power. For His hand ought never to be separated from His mouth. Uh, that was good. That was real good. 
I didn't come up with it so I can say it and it's not bragging. His hand can never be separated from his mouth. If he speaks it, his hand can do it. If he says it, his hand has the power to accomplish it. I think sometimes we get lost between the mouth and the hand. I know what you said, but can you really do it? One is connected to the other. Nothing can disannul his promise, his purpose, and nothing can push aside his hand. We must not imagine his power to be, as philosophers talk, a power that is unemployed. But as the scripture teaches us, powerful and active. Who can disannul God's purpose? Who can turn back his outstretched hand? We, we, we have this challenge. I'm, I'm winding down. We have this challenge. The challenge is we live primarily conscious of this dimension of time. Our, our, our perception, our thoughts, our feelings, our, our, our dreams, our goals are within this dimension of time. But the problem is this, our God is eternal. And His plan and purpose and power is not limited in time. What, what, part of what I mean by that is this, I've, I've got 75 years, give or take a few, Some get a lot less, some get a little bit more. I know, I know all of you, all of you 50 or better, especially you 60 and 70 betters, I know, just humor me for a moment. Humor me, okay? Just humor me for a moment. I, I, know, you, I know you know all about this and even more than I do. But there's just, there, there's a lack of grasping forty four that that's not attached to me that that's somebody else I've said this to several people there's there's a 70 year old that that's that's somebody's grandfather that can't be like my grandfather. I mean, I'm sorry, that, that's somebody's grand, that can't be a father. I mean, that, it doesn't compute that my father, my father is about to be 70. My dad's like 45, 50. 70 is, is Mac Wright and Remus Singletary. That's, that's what 70 is to me. I, I was, uh, I was at my, I ran by, my parents' house, uh, one day this week, it all blurs together. And 
I was, I was, happened to see a picture. It was a, it was a family porch. How many of you have been around long enough? You know what Olin Mills is. You know you've been around a little while. If you got that, you got that little gold stamp down in the bottom right corner, Olin Mills. Y'all don't know all that some of y'all know about is picture people. But there's a spot in my parents' house. They got two portraits up. It's, it was the four of us. I think I was somewhere, one of them, I think I was close to 18. And I was sitting there and I was looking at my dad in that picture. And I'm going, him in that picture is me now. It, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. I, I ran out to the mall today with my boys to, they, they, this is the other part of last Sunday night. You know, last Sunday night was wants and needs. This was back to that practical side. There was some things they needed, perhaps debatable, but we're walking in. I, I, I don't know why, for some reason, it just hit me. I caught my eye today. We're walking in, and we were walking past Maggiano's and into that entrance, and and, 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 and I think they were on each side of me, if I'm not mistaken, and and I, I just kind of glanced in that mirror, and I, I saw this body <laughs> walking beside me. And then I'm looking at the, the doors ahead as I'm watching my two boys. My boys, as the one on the left is, I think, got me now. And just, just for all of that, that is no issue with me. I have always hoped my sons would be taller. So I have no issues or struggles, just for the record. My height issues are my own personal issues. I am thrilled for Timothy and hoping for Nathaniel that he's taller than me. So just, just for the record, if you think you're going to come give me a hard time and bother me because Timothy's taller than me, don't waste your breath. I am thrilled to death for him. I'm looking at that reflection in those windows going... What I'm seeing here, <laughs> that can't, that can't be. That, that can't be. Lori, that, Aunt Lolo, that can't be. Yeah, that, that can't be. I, I don't, again, all of you 50, 60, 70, 80s and better, humor me. I know, you think I'm pretty silly right now. I know, I know. I don't understand where time has gone. And my struggle is, I look at what He's said, what He's promised, and I'm trying to fit it into this dimension of time. And i got to be honest with you, I want it sooner, much rather than later. But he's operating on an eternal timetable. So when he says what? He knows how. But he also knows when. I think we've given up on a lot of promises from God because we had a what? 
We had a what? We had a clear what from God. But we determined the when. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I just rambling away? And when God doesn't do the what, when we think it was supposed to be, we start to give up on the promise. And I think there's some things personally some of us have let go of, and I think there's some things as a body every now and then we might start to let slip a little bit because our time frame hasn't, it hasn't happened the way we anticipated. We often consider delay to be denial. But he knows what, and he knows when. I'm closing, just to Trish come. Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. This is the hand that is stretched upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed. And who? 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 If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who or what put anything in that answer? Put anything there you want to come up with in that answer. The bottom line is nothing can disannul God's purpose. And nothing can turn back his outstretched hand. I, I believe, I believe I'm preaching to some people tonight that you've been wavering. You, you've been looking at circumstances and situations and the obstacles and the challenges. And starting to wonder, maybe, maybe there are some things that can disannul God's purpose. Maybe, maybe there are some things that can turn back God's hand. But I've come tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost, and I believe in the Holy Ghost, to tell some people tonight, nothing can disannul God's purpose. And nothing can turn back God's hand. That what God has planned, it's set. And even when, oh Jesus, even when you and I can see nothing happening. Am I, am I, am I, am I just... Am I just talking to the air? 
Even when you can see, or it seems to be that you see nothing happen. When you can't feel anything. To still know that nothing can disannul His purpose. Nothing can turn back His hand. Brother Carlos, I don't want to pick on you, but I'm just using you as an example. Hopefully others will connect it, but I can, I can, I got a, I got a degree of memory of that night when this was half the size of this. Bishop prophesied to you and your wife about D.C. I, I, I don't think any of us Sure, you and I don't think the rest of us. I, I figured by now you guys have probably five, six thousand people in church in DC. Circumstances that they're in, the circumstances that you're in, the circumstances that we are in. Nothing can disannul God's purpose. I'm I'm trying not to look for an emotion or or, or just a simple emotional or outward response. I'm trying to the best of my ability to be sensitive in the spirit and, and to the best of my discernment. I'm still not quite getting some of you. Preaching to people tonight, you've questioned. I'm preaching to some folks tonight. You haven't just questioned in your heart and mind. You've, you've questioned to others. You've questioned to others personal things. You've questioned to others about this church. I'm just not sure. I just don't know. Let me tell you something. I may be the biggest idiot that's ever lived. When God gave Antioch its promises, He put into the equation my idiocy. If I'm the idiot that's in the way, you don't have to worry about it. His plan from the beginning determined, I'll let you be in the way. That's our problem. We think stuff's in the way, or we think stuff's hindering, or we think stuff's stopping. No, it's just a part of what he purposed and planned. And when he said it from the beginning, he knew what was going to happen before he did it. But nothing, 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 nothing can disannul God's purpose. And nothing can turn back God's hand. Stand, please. I wish by the help of the Holy Ghost we could leave this place tonight. I'm assuming I'm not the only one. Leave this place tonight with a settled answer to that question. Can anything disannul God's purpose? Can anything turn back God's hand? I want to be able to respond with confidence and cert- a certainty and an assurance that says, absolutely not. It may look like something is. 
It may look like some things are. It may look like someone is. But when God swore what he was going to do, all of that was factored in. And so God can't lie. God can't break a promise. And God can't fail. God can't fail. I, I guess let, let, let's do it like this if I could. If you, if the Holy Ghost, is speaking to you tonight in some form or fashion at some point. God's talked to you. I wonder if I could invite you. Don't move yet. Don't move yet. I wonder if I could invite you to make your way down to this altar with this purpose. My walking to this altar is my outward demonstration of my answer to say that nothing can disannul God's purpose and that nothing can turn back God's hand and that every obstacle every issue, every situation from the very beginning God calculated it into the fulfillment of His promise if you want to do that tonight, if you're willing to do that, I invite you. Make your way to this altar. We're not coming right now to ask. We're coming to answer. We're coming as an answer to the Lord's question. Is there anything that can annul my purpose? Is there anything that can stop my purpose? Is there anything that can turn back my hand? Is there anything that can stop my hand? Is there anything that can turn away my hand from doing what I said I would do? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, you can pray in tongues, but I want you to pray in English as well and confess. I want you to confess it. God, I confess tonight that I believe there is nothing that can annul your purpose. I confess tonight, God, that I believe there's nothing that can turn back your head. There's nothing in my life, past, present, or future, that has caught you off guard or will ever catch you off guard. There's nothing in my life, the way it's gone, is a surprise to you, God. It may be a surprise to me. It might be unexpected to me. But you knew it from the beginning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. 
God. My God can do anything. Do anything. 